Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is Rick Wirtz, founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where the mission is to encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers. A faithful father prioritizes physical presence, is engaged emotionally, and leads spiritually by example. Uh, the vision is to engage dads in raising a godly generation while reinvigorating the church on the fathering front. Uh, this topic, uh, the topic of this podcast series, is the Nehemiah Initiative. Uh, one of the one of my favorite studies as a dad. Uh, we we uh, it's a solid construction project <laughs> that's at the heart of what our Father expects of us. So uh, again, this is the first in a series of four podcasts contrasting the the wall Nehemiah built in 445 BC to the spiritual wall dads need to build today. Uh, not a wall of isolation, but a wall of delineation, so that we're uh, indeed different from the world that uh, we're existing in. So dads need to establish a rock-solid foundation on which to build the walls that will withstand attacks from the evil one. The gates need to be constructed and hung in place, and they'll open. Uh, they'll be open for business but closed to inappropriate outside influences. So the foundation, walls, and gates will provide powerful analogies uh, to what we stand against today as men, husbands, and fathers. So uh, I want to point you to our website at faithfulfathering.org where you can uh, click on the For Dads button. That's where you can access uh, all of our teachings, our videos, and, uh, and download PDFs of our various studies. So as always, this will be a very practical discussion. Uh, that I pray blesses you on your journey as a faithful father. In the studio today with us today is uh, Mr. Dan Davis. Uh, uh, he serves on the city council in uh, Manville uh, and uh, is a very special guest. He's also a husband uh, to a lovely bride and uh, and father of two. So welcome, Dan. Thanks Thank for you joining. for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, share, us, uh, share a little bit about yourself and your family. Absolutely. So my beautiful wife, Erica, and I, we've been married for 10 years. We actually got married whenever I was 18 and she was 20. And what I like to say is that when we met, she was actually my boss at the YMCA. And so I married my boss. She was my boss then. She was my boss now. And so, you know, there's a saying, happy wife, happy life. And we have two beautiful and amazing kids. Calum is seven years old. He's about to turn eight in June. And then my daughter just turned six years old in, in February. So we live in Manville, which is about 30 minutes south of Houston. We own our first ever home there. And uh, we are excited for what the future has in store for our family, for what God has planned. We've experienced a lot in our young lives, but we know that, that God has a, a great things in store for us. Fantastic. And you, you, you mentioned you were in the mission field as well? Yes, sir. So my wife and I, we, whenever we got married, we, uh, we met in February of 2011, and then we got married in January of 2012. So we knew each other for a total of 11 months before we got married, but I'm always under the belief that when you know, you know. Absolutely. And so why wait? You want to make sure that you do things the right way. Mm -hmm. So five days after we got married, we went to Dallas, where we went and uh, attended. That's a good mission field. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's, well, the that's way field. up north. Up yeah, that's a little bit. That's way. It's a little bit closer <laughs> than Japan. But we, we went there because God put it on our hearts to attend Christ for the Nations Institute, which is based mm -hmm. in Dallas. Sure. And so we went for, to Christ for the Nations for two and a half years. And after graduating, my son was actually born. And we uh, were led by God to actually become missionaries to Japan. 
and we moved to Japan in 2015, and we were there for a year. My wife was four months pregnant with our daughter when we actually moved to Japan. Wow. And so that's where my daughter was born. She has a Japanese birth certificate. Her American passport says that she was born in Japan. So it's a really cool story and history and legacy that Mm -hmm. she has there and that our family has there. And in 2016, we actually moved back to America after helping start a church and teach English over in Japan. Fantastic. What a journey. So it, you're very familiar with uh, with what the journey is to yes, uh, build that relationship with Christ and encourage others on the journey. Absolutely. So, uh, We're familiar with how to take long plane flights as well. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, this session, is, we're talking about the foundation. You know, every construction project requires a solid foundation. And uh, the foundation that we're talking about here, of course, for the spiritual wall, uh, for, for men to, uh, uh, to build and against the forces of today, we'll start talking about the, the foundational relationship with Jesus the Christ. And, uh, you know, those, I always look at the, the five facts of Jesus in his life and five in his death. So I, I think, uh, you know, Jesus was before what is was. <laughs> he was born of the virgin. He was blessed by his father. He lived a sinless life and he obeyed his father all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. And I, I always like to lay that out. To, you know, sometimes we can relate to the spiritual aspects. We'll talk about after death in a minute, but uh, sometimes we, we can relate to the uh, spiritual aspects a little bit differently than we relate to actually what he accomplished here physically on this earth. But uh, when you when you think about your foundational relationship with Christ, are any of those particular facets of of Christ in this uh, you know in his life uh, anything in particular resonate with you or a challenge to you? Absolutely. So those are all great facets, and for me, the one that really resonates with me is the obedience until death, because there's a lot of things in life. As men, as women, as children, as fathers, that we experience or that we are called or obligated to do based off of our responsibilities, that it's in our calling that God's placed on our lives that we don't necessarily want to do. Mm. We know it's not going to be easy. We know that it's not going to be fun. And you have no idea what the end result is going to be, but you just have to trust. You have to be obedient in that, mm-hmm. whether it be at the job that you're working, whether it be what you're as part of a part of a sports team, whatever that looks like. The obedience side and the obedience into the unknown can be a scary, can be a scary thing. Mm-hmm. My life has been a life that we've done things outside of the norm, mm-hmm. that we've done things in an uncontrolled a. Uh, not necessarily a controversial manner, but we've done things in a way that many people have looked at us and they're like, all right, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Nonconformist. Nonconformist. Getting married young, (laughs) going to Bible college. Uh, One of the things that I didn't mention is that I also serve on city council Mm -hmm. for the city of Manville, Mm -hmm. one of the youngest ever elected officials for the city. Mm -hmm. And being involved in politics with the current toxicness that we see in politics and in society, people look at it and they're like, why are you doing this? And our answer every single time is we're being obedient to the calling that God has placed on our lives. Mm. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what the end result is going to be. But we know that when he's called us to do something, if we're obedient, that at the end of the day, he is going to reap the reward of our faithfulness in in life. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus Mm. was obedient to to death. Mm. That He didn't maybe necessarily know in his humanity what that would look like. But he knew that his father was asking him to do this and that, you know, the lamb would receive the reward of its suffering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Us sitting here today is a, is a testimony of that obedience. Sure. And so in my life, I hope that my obedience leads to someone else being impacted in a way that makes a difference right. and that leaves a mark. 
may use my favorite word there, faithful. You know, that's what faithful fathering, that's what we, uh, you know, someone asked Mother Teresa one time, how do you know when you're successful? And she says, uh, I'm not here to be successful, I'm here to be faithful. So obedience doesn't always guarantee success, does it? But it does, it does uh, reflect faithfulness, which will be honored at the end of the day. So that's a, that's a huge step, and uh, I think that's a rock-solid uh, foundation that is indeed obedient and understands and, and keeps it in perspective that it isn't an easy road. It's just the right road. Yeah. And success it can be defined different ways mm-hmm. by different people. Mm-hmm. The way the world defines success might be the, a different way in which you and I might mm-hmm. define success. The way mm-hmm. that I define success is not by the, the things that I accomplish or the things that I do, but it's who I am as a person. Sure. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I loving? Am I showing grace? Am I walking in forgiveness? Am I walking in compassion? Am I being present and engaged in my wife's life, in my kid's life? Mm-hmm. Am I fulfilling the obligations? To me, that's success. Mm-hmm. And I tell people I could solve the world hunger crisis or I could find the cure to cancer, but if I've failed at home, if I've failed as, as a man, as a husband, and as a, as a father, then in my opinion, I'm not successful in sure. life. Sure. One of the things I do as a career is I'm in real estate. Mm-hmm. So I could sell a million dollar listing, but in selling that listing for a million dollars, two million dollars, whatever it is, if I'm missing important events in my kid's life because of doing that, I don't necessarily deem that as being successful. Sure, sure. And that's what, that's what I always say. Dad's primary mission field is the home. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. That's now, uh, now, if we move on to the facts about Christ after his death, you know, he put death to sin on the cross and he walked out of the tomb. He appeared to his disciples and to 500 plus to the many. Then he ascended back to his father and he will come again. You know, those are five facets in his death. And uh, are there any of those that particularly resonate with you or that are a challenge to you? Absolutely. I, I would say that it's the, the death to sin. Hmm. Uh, I'm a millennial. I'm 20, 28 years old, 29. Actually, you yeah, know, I just turned, I turned 29 in February. So it's still, still, still clicking. My dear friend always told me once I got there, I just called it plenty nine. <laughs> yeah, plenty nine. You're just, you're, you're old <laughs> enough. And uh, one of the things that as millennials, we've grown up around technology. Mm-hmm. And so when I get home from a, from a long day of various activities, you know, my, my nature could be, I just want to sit and just scroll through Facebook or I want to, you know, get lost in a, U, in a YouTube video. And so the fact that there's the death to, to sin aspect of it, if Jesus could do that, if Jesus could accomplish that, if Jesus could fulfill that on the cross, then my sinful nature that we are born into as being a part of this world, that, that I can die to that on a daily basis as, as well. But the other facet of it that I think about is that I'm not going to be perfect. Nobody, nobody's perfect. The only perfect human to ever live was, was Jesus, mm-hmm. that he fulfilled that by walking on this earth for 33 years. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that there is forgiveness that comes from the death, burial, and resurrection of what happened after the cross, mm-hmm. and knowing that I can walk in forgiveness, and that I can also not only receive forgiveness, but I can give forgiveness, is an important thing as a, as a father. Mm. My kids are still young, but there's there's times where I get mad at them, and you know they you know my daughter is six years old, and she you know sometimes can talk back a little bit. She's a little sassy at times, and I can feel myself getting frustrated at her. Mm. Well, knowing that there's forgiveness in that action as well 
is a, I think, a liberating feeling mm-hmm. that we can experience because then as we continue forward, we don't carry the burden of those mistakes. We don't carry the burden of those sins because Jesus already did that for us. Mm-hmm. I think it's Ephesians 6, uh, 1 and 2 that says, you know, don't exasperate your children. I say, well, Lord, that'd be easy. Just don't give me exasperating <laughs> children. <you know? laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm supposed to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, which if I do that right, they're not going to be exasperating, right? But, uh, well, that's, that's very powerful. And, indeed, uh, putting death to sin on the cross is, uh, is what is foundational to our faith, of course, and uh, to move forward in that freedom and uh, to, to recognize that all the sin is, indeed, uh, put to death and that we can accept that and embrace that as we, as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. So uh, are there any particular uh, areas, uh, you know, I always think that there's, uh, you know, where this, where this moves from our head, these are all facts that we grew up in. If we grew up in church or even if we didn't grow up in church but we've been attending and, and uh, getting to know our Lord, uh, we know that these facts are, are true about his life and about his death. Uh, but it's isn't until those move that, that uh, you know, 18 inches down to our heart that says, uh, you know, they, this is indeed a heart-level relationship. And uh, so have there been any uh, conflicts in that journey where, where I would say there's maybe a crack opened up in, in truly embracing him as our Savior or serving him as our Lord uh, that, uh, that you uh, can relate to uh, in, in life? Absolutely. I, I think that to speak to that, there's in society, it's very easy to get into this place of constantly comparing yourself mm. to to others. Mm-hmm. And then you start to apply self-judgment and self-criticism in a way that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. That I, I can see how this person over here is accomplishing this or this person over here is doing that or this person has so many followers on social media or this person is selling so many, so many homes. And then you get into this as a competitive person, just in sure. general, but mm-hmm. you get into this unhealthy competitiveness where, mm-hmm. where you're striving to achieve what other people have achieved. And then you enter to this place that you get lost in forgetting what God has called you to do, mm-hmm. that you are uniquely and divinely made, that God has a purpose specifically for you on this, on this earth. And instead of trying to be what somebody else is or trying to do what somebody else is doing, you're losing sight of what you're meant to do. You're Mm -hmm. losing sight of the difference that you're meant to make. You're losing sight of the purpose that God has for you as being a father, Mm -hmm. as being an example to your kids, as being an example to your your spouse. And whenever that happens, whenever you get into this comparison game, that's when the cracks can start to to creep in. Mm -hmm. Because then the devil can come and speak to that and to say, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You're not worthy. You're not deserving. You're not a, a, a father that your kids love. Your kids would rather spend time over here doing this and spend time with you because look, that person posting on Instagram about all the cool things they're doing with their kids, you're not doing that. So your kids don't love you the way their kids love you. Mm-hmm. And then when you give the devil an inch, he begins to take, he begins to take a foot. Mm-hmm. And so I think an important thing as a father is to recognize before you can be what your kids need you to be to them, you have to first understand who you are to Christ. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scripture verses is Ephesians 5.1. And it says, as dear children, you need to be imitators of God. Mm-hmm. I think that's extremely important, but we have to recognize that before we can imitate God, we have to understand our identity as being children of God. Mm-hmm. And when we take time away to focus on making sure that we are at the right place that we need to be, that we're filled up where we need to be filled up, that when we look in the mirror, the mirror we see the image of God, 
because that is who God has created us to be, a mirror image beholding his glory. Mm. When we focus on that, then we can hopefully, you're not going to be perfect at it, but hopefully avoid some of those comparison games. Mm -hmm. So you can walk in the identity of who not man says that you're supposed to be, not what social media says you're supposed to be, but who God says that you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Well, that uh, I agree 100% that uh, we, we are, we can't be a father until we're a son. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's who we embrace that sonship. And uh, so that either is our earthly father that we embrace that sonship under. He, uh, you know, I always, you know, when we do our retreats as a ministry, we'll bless our children uh, to give dads an opportunity. But I'm always uh, shocked, or not shocked, I guess, at the end of the day, I've come to realize that about 95% of men never were blessed by their father. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, we embrace the blessing of our Heavenly Father, just as he blessed his son coming up out of the water. So uh, that's, you know, that's one of the facets of, you know, why, why do you think Jesus needed to be blessed by his Father? That's one that, that uh, you think, you know, he, he's, the, he's, he's really part of the Trinity. Why did he need to be blessed by his Father? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think part of it is stepping into your inheritance as being the as being the son. Mm -hmm. It depends upon your theological approach to the to the Holy Trinity. You know, different facets and different denominations believe different things about it. And Jesus was a hundred percent God, but at the same time, he was also a hundred percent man. Mm -hmm. That he's one, but also distinct mm -hmm. is the theological approach that I take specifically. And so that there was an inheritance that Jesus needed to walk in. And mm -hmm. until he not only received the blessing from his father, but also the bestowing of that inheritance on his life, it would have been very difficult for him to walk into that blessing if that were, were not the case. Mm -hmm. Before my wife and I went to Japan, my father, my father and I had a somewhat strained relationship at different times growing up because of different things. Mm -hmm. Lots of kids experienced that with their parents. Before we left for Japan, there was an opportunity for us to, for us to talk and he asked for forgiveness. And he represented that to me because he didn't have to ask. He's mm -hmm. the father. You don't need to ask technically mm -hmm. for forgiveness. But he did because he recognized the things that he had said that had scarred me and that had hurt me in my life. So first he came and he asked me for forgiveness. And then after that, actually went through uh, a, a, an event or a ceremony in a sense where he actually blessed me as the firstborn son. Because he's like, now you are actually being sent out into the world to do what God has created you to do. And I want you to walk in all the blessings and all the inheritance that God has for you. And to do that, I need to bless you as a father because I am basically, my ceiling is your floor. And I want to basically bless you and bestow upon you everything that I've learned in life and what I've taught in life and what I've experienced in life and basically kicking you out of the nest now to say, go and fly. Mm, what a blessing that is. <laughs> it is, that, absolutely. That puts you in a very unique group. Yes. So I uh, tip my cap to your dad, and he's equipped you to be the dad that you're called to be. So are there any other tips that you have to uh, make sure, you know, it sounds like you've already evaluated the, the, the way the devil works to crack your foundation and to, to, uh, to try to get a wedge in there. You know, you, you make sure you don't let uh, the sun set on arguments. You make sure that you uh, don't allow those negative uh, 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 attacks to get too much grounding. Uh, any other thoughts on, on final thoughts to uh, ensure that that rock-solid foundation stays rock-solid? I would say there, there's two things. One is, is being consistent. Find ways as fathers to little things to be consistent. One of the things my wife and I have started to do with our kids is every night before bed, 
each of us says one thing in the day that was our favorite thing about, about that day. Mm-hmm. And our kids look forward to that in the evening now. It's not a, a huge monumental thing that we do. Most people might look at that and say, all right, that's somewhat insignificant. But it's a way that we close out our day on a positive note, and we've been consistent with that. And it's created an opportunity for us to be able to bond as a family, which is a very important piece of having a solid foundation, not only as being a father, but also as being a a family unit. Mm -hmm. There's going to be times where things come up in your life and things are, are, are missed and mistakes that are made. But if you find small key ways to be consistent, I think that's an extremely important thing whether that be making sure you have breakfast every morning with with your kids, whether that be as a father taking time during the day if you work out of the home, if you have an opportunity when you know your kids are available, calling them, Mm -hmm. talking to them for two or three minutes each kid. Because what our kids need is not us to be perfect. They need us to be present. And when we're present in their lives, when we're there, when we're available, I believe that creates opportunities for growth to come, not only in your relationship with each other, but for you as a father to help your children grow because you're present there with them. Sure, sure. And, and of course, the other say, you know, when we're talking here, this is the foundational relationship with Jesus the Christ. Of course, uh, you also reflect that every day in your marriage because our marriage is the closest thing to our relationship with Christ here in the flesh. Absolutely. So, uh, that's wonderful. A great insight there, Dan. I appreciate uh, you, you sharing your heart here. And uh, dads, I just want to remind you, you can't, you're encouraged to go to faithfulfathering.org and click on the For Dads button to uh, have the opportunity to access this study uh, directly to learn more about the foundation needed uh, to continue the construction, this construction project to uh, build uh, this wall, this spiritual wall that's analogous to the Nehemiah, uh, the wall Nehemiah built in 445 BC. So dads, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, We'll continue this podcast. This is the first of four, so be sure to turn in the next series and next uh, session, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you then. In the meantime, uh, just uh, keep on, uh, keep the focus on the right thing and uh, uh, becoming the dad that you're called to be. That's uh, God bless, God speak.